We all think about what we eat. We plan our meals or count carbs or do any number of other things when it comes to what we put in our bodies. But do you ever think about the flavor of what you consume? Sure you do. What we eat or drink either tastes good or it doesn't. In fact, taste is the number one consideration in what we consume. Yet there's more to it than just like or dislike, and there's even a whole industry dedicated to it. Flavor is memory. Flavor is feeling. Flavor is science. Flavor is art. Flavor is McCormick Fauna. I'm Corey Doucette, and welcome to our Flavor University podcast, where we explore the science, artistry, and industry behind flavor. Have you ever been to the grocery store and after picking out all your necessary staples for the week, like milk and eggs and butter, you find yourself reaching for that little extra? I mean, you don't need those premium cookies, but boy, would those taste good as a late night snack. You'll have to hide those specialty imported chocolates from your spouse in your secret stash, but let's splurge a little. What if there was a way to treat yourself without having to cheat yourself? Today, our guests, scientist Kaylin Cook and senior associate product manager Katie Tamburo will be talking with us about essential versus elevated flavors and how going to a new level doesn't mean going without. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Thank you, too, for joining us. Why don't we start as we always start? Uh, have you introduced yourself? Tell us what you do and how you got here. So, Katie, please start off for us. Hello, everyone. I'm Katie Tamburo. So as Corey said, I'm Senior Associate Product Manager. I do marketing in our health and nutrition business unit. I've done some um, performance nutrition beverage. I've done bars, now working more on vitamins, minerals, and supplements. So basically, my job is to look at marketing trends and work with the tech team in the lab and translate those into delicious food and beverages. And Kaylin, you joined us before, but please tell us again who you are and what you do. Yes, I'm Kaylin Cook, and I'm a food scientist here at McCormick Fauna, and I work on research and development specifically in performance nutrition bar applications. So I take the flavors, our flavors develop, and develop bar prototypes of finished product applications. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, too. I totally went to our producer, Sarah, this morning after reading through our questions and just said, what are we talking about again? <laughs> Like, I, I, and then, I mean, Sarah laid it out for me nice and simple, but why don't we start with a good definition of essential versus elevated flavors, just so we can all be on the same page. Wink. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so why don't we go ahead and get that definition? So if you can lay that out for me so that our listeners know what's up and then we can go from there. Essential versus elevated flavors. I think the easiest way to put it is your essential would be more of those everyday flavors you would think of. Maybe something straightforward like a chocolate or a vanilla or if you're thinking fruit, maybe a strawberry, but the elevated would be the next version of that. So if you wanted to elevate a chocolate, maybe it's a dark chocolate truffle or strawberry, maybe you would pair it with a more exotic fruit like a strawberry kiwi or a strawberry guava. Kaylin? I would agree. It's taking that starting point, like Katie mentioned, vanilla, and then adding a little bit more excitement. So it has that premium offering, like you alluded to, Corey, Instead of just having vanilla cookies, now you have birthday cake frosted cookies and you're hiding them from your spouse or your kids because that's your elevated eating experience. So we're, we're making the attainable, the extra, so to speak. That's, that's really cool. I mean, it's putting fancy words and flavors into something that already exists at maybe a, a, an easier way. Why are we doing this? Why are people treating themselves to, you know, the premium 
uh, you know, as opposed to going with the standbys? Or how are they making premium from the standbys? I would say we've seen quite a few reasons why we think people are choosing to take an essential product and try to elevate it. Some of the things that we pointed out were COVID. So people were stuck at home and had to come up with new ways of using something that they commonly find in their kitchen and adding a little bit of excitement because they had maybe a little bit more time on their hands than they did in the past. Social media is a good example of that. With social media, we have technology at our fingertips. Katie might be testing a new idea. She posts it online. I see it. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Let me try that too. And then I think maybe inflation is playing a little bit into it now. You want to still be adventurous and try those new things, but your disposable income might not be the same as it was a couple years ago. So how can you take the harder money that you're making and spread it so that you have a little bit of excitement and elevation? I find myself looking for those recipes that are more, more of a reach for me now. So things that will go further with my family, like stretch further, but seem to be more either ethnic or flavorful or, I mean, I think I've talked about this before, but I've been experimenting with media tacos. And excuse me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm, I'm terrible at, at that. But yeah, I mean, I've tried them in the crock pot. I've tried having them simmer for hours. And honestly, I, I'll be I'll straight with you. That crock pot, man, that's that's The crock is everything. Yeah. But I mean, this is amazing. Why your reasoning as to why now is is spot on. We are all stuck at home for so long. That's why everybody everybody became a baker forever, you know, passing the passing the loaf, so to speak. So I just finished getting groceries today, as a matter of fact, before the podcast, and I know I'm spending more. I know I am. But I'm also trying to, you know, still kind of get those little extras as I'm going. What what makes those things what may be premium to me is not premium to you. So what's making things in people's minds that premium, that extra? It could be a few different things. So it could be the flavor piece we've talked to as the marketing person. I have to mention it could be a marketing point of purchase type thing. You might be in line and see something right there and be like, oh, that looks interesting. Especially if you go in the grocery store hungry. I, I did that yesterday. It did not work out for me. So <laughs> those are two good reasons. Kaylin, anything to add? I would say, like you mentioned, it's maybe product positioning in the store. So if it's at an end cap or it has like a showy marketing campaign that's linked to social media, it drives foot traffic in the door. It's all delivering the story that this is something I have to have now because it's something I can't maybe get later. Did you guys get like really interested in something after the Super Bowl? So, like, I got hit hard during the Super Bowl because I'm a big Breaking Bad fan. And this company puts out these, like, popcorn. They look like Doritos. They're triangular. The popcorners? Yeah, yeah, the, the popcorners. <laughs> and <laughs> couldn't think of the name there. Thanks, Katie. I'm uh, big on commercials. So I was watching it, and, it, like, I was, like, totally, you know, Walter White and Jesse are telling me you know, to go get these things. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I did it. I totally did it. Did you guys find yourself doing that at all? Um, the Doritos commercials do get me. It's there was one I can't remember if it was this past Super Bowl or the one before, and it was like Charlie Poos and a few of them singing as animals, and it totally got me, and I had to go get Doritos. So I can't say I'm a 
big person in sports. So the only Super Bowl commercial I remember is the Elf one with uh, what's that actress that Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge, and she's like has like her glue stuck to her hands. She's like walking through. So it made me laugh. So it's just positioning it in a place where it brought comedy to it. I did only watch Super Bowl to watch Rihanna. So. <laughs> That's fine. I, I didn't watch the game either. I am not a sports person, if if you haven't picked that up from any of the other podcasts. But yeah, if it, the halftime show, the commercials, and so on. But isn't that kind of the way it's always been? Like, you know, the marketing and whatever's, you know, big and flashy kind of catches people's attention faster. And and now we're really leaning into that. Is that is that what's happening here? I think if you go back to the Super Bowl, like, example, what... Katie and I were talking about this too, is because of social media or digital platforms, people are starting to release their campaigns earlier, and it's not only being able to see them during the Super Bowl show. So there might not be that I have to sit down and watch the Super Bowl for this amount of hours to consume because companies are teasing or putting out content prior to the Super Bowl. And like you're saying, it has always been about the show or the story, but because of the new digital platforms, the story is being told in slightly different ways over a longer period of time to drive that consumer interest and purchase intent. I love how I thought I was going for like a hardball question there, and you totally just brought it right into the to the legit, to the real, you know, saying this is this is new and this is why. Because I'm a huge TikTok consumer, YouTube consumer, so yes, I am totally getting marketed to. I'm totally in for that. And I know what's happening and that's fine. But yeah, absolutely. This this new trend of just getting things that used to feel out of reach in reach is so new to me. So with easier access to these commercials, to these advertisements and social media, what combinations, what trends are we seeing come out of this? Like what what new, you know, taking the regular flavor and elevating it? What kind of things are we seeing from these trends or from these social medias? Well, that could range anything from um, recipes, different collaborations between food brands or food brands and celebrities. One of the biggest things I think going around recently is, have you seen the fruit roll-up ice cream, ice cream trend? So it's basically you take a fruit roll-up, you put a scoop of ice cream, you fold it up, and then you freeze it. Or you could eat it right away, but I heard it's better if you freeze it. So it's kind of taking these two essential everyday treats everybody really likes. I mean, fruit roll-ups are super nostalgic for me. And then ice cream, I mean, I'll eat ice cream every day if I could. Putting them together to make the, more of this elevated experience because the fruit roll-up gets hard. You get kind of this crunchy texture as you bite into it, and then you get the soft ice cream. So it's supposed to be a little bit more elevated in that you get multiple textures rather than just the kind of the your usual squishy fruit roll up and then um, soft creamy ice cream. Now, what the listeners can't see is that we actually have some examples of this here in studio with us, and I've got it next to me. Confession time: I've never had a fruit roll up in my entire life, so I'm going to taste this right now, and I, I'm going to give you my my opinion on this. So I, I can our producer Sarah is laughing at me, and everybody looks a little nervous. Should, should I tell you what's in front of you? Just so, because I know they look, exactly they look a little scary. Um, so the one, the red one is a strawberry fruit roll up and it has mango sorbet in the middle. And then the rainbow one is your tropical mango fruit roll up with strawberry cheesecake ice cream. Those are the two Caitlin and I 
sell most popular on the internet. So that is the two we decided to make. Okay. And I have seen this on the internet before. Which should I start with? I don't know. You more of like the super, super sweet fruity or you want the little savory, the cheesecake up to you? I think that one. I'm going to say that one. So I should, I should go with this rain, rainbow <laughs> one. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. We might have to cut them. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I got a little piece here. Okay. Oh, I get it. Absolutely. So, so what I'm tasting here, I mean, the cheesecake obviously has that creamy texture underneath, but there's that really strong fruit right up in the front, in the back of my tongue. And I, I mean, I would never have thought this. And granted, we've had these out for a little while, so they're not, you know, the crunchy that, you know, they would be, but no. I could see myself devouring this with no problem. Talking about texture, I think one um, beverage that's really kind of taking the whole world by storm is um, boba and boba tea or milk tea. You get these different, you have the different beverage bases, right? Tea or milk tea, different flavors. And then you have your different types of boba, right? You have popping boba, you have more of the agar boba, which is more like a jelly. So really getting this full textural experience when you're drinking. So it's really all about the texture nowadays. And we're even seeing texture go into coffee and even cocktails. If we take the whipped coffee, the big trend during COVID where you whip the instant coffee and then top it, it builds that foam. We're seeing companies like Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks offering cold foam nitro coffees that has that whip texture on the top. So it's giving you a elevated textural drinking experience while you are consuming a product that you would have been choosing prior to maybe a fad or a trend you had worked with on social media. I will say that had the fruit roll-up been crunchy, uh, like texture was a big thing for me too. I was very nervous before we started this and it was on the plate next to me. And I was like, I, I don't usually go for the chewy, but this, this was a good this is a good mix. This was a good way to introduce this kind of elevated flavor for me. Should I try the other one? Is, is, are we going to do that too? I think we could just talk about maybe the flavor inspiration. So that one is strawberry paired with mango. And one of the fads that or mashups we see on social media is adding tahini to it. So taking that sweet heat or sweet and uh, spicy combination and then elevating it in a nostalgic snack like a fruit roll-up paired with mango sorbet. Mm -hmm. And we saw that using ethnic and different cultural foods is starting to pop and be more popular in the market just because we couldn't travel during COVID. So how can we have those elevated experiences at home? And it was also like having those elevated, you know, more worldly experiences at, at home. But it was also some of those ethnic foods are very comforting to a lot of people based on their culture. I mean, for me, I know I got more into my Polish culture. I finally learned how to make pierogies. Took me long enough, right? But um, <laughs> but I think there was a few di different aspects to kind of bringing more of those global flavors to home during COVID. And I was wrong to start with. I uh, like the mango one better. Oh, I think I sh I guess if I'm going to go sweet, I'm going to go all the way. I don't want this halfway okay. stuff. These are fantastic. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. I don't think anybody needs a recipe out there, but you know, literally take ice cream, wrap it in a fruit roll up and freeze it. Is that, is that it? 
Pretty much. Just be careful when you do it. The fruit roll-up does freeze instantly as soon as the ice cream hits it, and it will crack. (laughs) Interesting note. That's so cool. Have you guys seen this other TikTok trend of freeze-drying candy? And I think, like, I'm not watching, I'm seeing people eat it, but I'm seeing more people watch it just to see what happens. What's that about? Why are are people freeze-drying candy? I think it's, again, a textural play, right? Usually it's freeze-drying, at least the ones I've seen, are a lot of gummies, and it goes from being a gummy to basically being super crunchy and airy. You bite into it, I've tried them before, and it's it's very crunchy going through, and then once it's kind of sitting there a bit, it gets a little tooth-packing, at least in my experience, but it's still really tasty. You get all those great forward flavor notes, still sour if it's sour. Have you, have you tried a yeah, candy? I had a chance to try it with you at Expo West. Yes, this is true. We did try it together. And it reminded me of the texture of cereal, honestly, because it has like that aerated fluffy texture, but it is sour and then it sticks to your teeth. So. It looks really porous, like almost like a pumice kind of thing sometimes when they come out, which is probably a, a terrible comparison because when you think pumice, you, you don't think candy. But is there going to be any kind of like... You know, somebody going to bag this up and sell it? People do bag it up and sell it. Really? I believe, Yeah, they. I've seen a lot of different people, shops on Instagram. They sell them. They buy their own machines and they do it and they sell it, yeah. I mean, I saw one woman take a cookie sheet, put one of those giant gummy bears on it, and then, like, lace it not only with, like, you know, little extras of Sour Patch Kids and whatnot, but also different, like, squirts of sour candy syrup or something just to just to see what happens. And granted, I, I don't eat any of that, which may, may come as a surprise, but to watch it like transform is just something I'm like, that looks cool. That looks, I want to try that. Seems to me like people are doing these things for gratification, for, for care. You know, as, as I started the podcast with, you know, treat yourself, don't cheat yourself. Is this something that people are doing for self-care? I mean, obviously they're not using like massages and whatnot with, you know, <laughs> freeze-dried candies, but is this a self-care avenue? I think we are seeing this trickle into self-care or even that wow factor. So like you mentioned, people aren't going to get massages, but you can take maybe that experience of the spa. You have cucumber water and it has some lemon in it. So it's elevating your water where we're starting to see this in ingredients or things incorporated on the bench is blue spirulina. Blue spirulina is an algae that turns the product blue, but people are using it as detoxing agents. So they have it in a detox juice, or there's this interesting company that has a detox protein bar out there, and this bar is blue. So blue algae, we're we're talking plants again. We did plant-based on our last podcast. For those of you who missed it, go back and listen, and then come back to this point. But if we're talking plants, then we must be talking like flowers and fruits and botanicals? Is that something that's going to feed into this trend as well? Yeah, very much so. So botanicals are getting more and more popular. From a flavor perspective, I feel like when you go to a restaurant, at least in the past, was the only time you would kind of see more of these botanical out there flavors. But now there's all types of sparkling waters, different products in the supermarket that incorporate different botanicals like lavender or dandelion or rose to really bring kind of those elevated flavors home. And a lot of those too kind of have a spa-like quality relaxation elements. I don't know if it comes from the association with candles or other things like that, but I think there's definitely self-care benefits or, or thoughts around botanicals. 
I would say also building on the botanical piece, I think, with the cocktail bar or alcohol-free cocktails, uh, we are seeing botanicals play in because it might have to do with that self-care of I want to consume something that's perceived to be better for me. Or botanicals and florals have some of those notes that are commonly found in cocktails. Like if we think of a gin and tonic, it has that earthy, piney note. So it allows you to bridge the perception without consuming the alcohol that might have the negative connotation. I kind of want to circle back to matchups or mix-ups or mashups. We're, we're talking about people who, you know, are taking regular things and making them better by adding something. What kind of, of mashups are we seeing our companies banding together, you know, kind of doing the chocolate in my peanut butter, peanut butter in my chocolate thing to make it more premium or, or more elevated? Yeah, they're going beyond beyond chocolate and peanut butter, although I'll eat that any day. But um, <laughs> there's a great example of house wine and Cheez-Its. So they've actually paired box wine and Cheez-Its you could buy together. So it's kind of bringing that charcuterie board experience to a more snack level and making maybe making it a little bit more approachable to the everyday consumer. So basically taking your charcuterie board and turning it into a snackle box. A snackle box. I like that. I heard that somewhere. I told my daughter about a bento box that I was going to call it her snackle box from now on because um, I thought that was adorable. That's, I mean, that's an incredible idea. I mean, before this, in order to go wine and cheese tasting, you'd have to go to a, you know, a winery or something to see what went with what. But this is definitely bringing it to the consumer, bringing it to that level of easy purchase and easy tasting, which is, in my opinion, fantastic. And like you said, although all you chocolate and peanut butter any day of the week, like sometimes you got to branch out. All right. At this point in time is where we usually ask people if there's anything else that you guys want to hit on or that we missed or that we should get to first before I ask you for your last three things and then ask you some silly questions. Going beyond mashups with just like food and food or food and beverage products, you see a lot of food products pairing or food brands pairing with brands from other categories. So for example, if you've seen the Chipotle mashup with Elf, the makeup brand, it is super cool. They have a lot of great products, but there's a lot of different things that play to the different Chipotle flavors and those things you look for when you go into Chipotle. So Kaylin has a favorite product from that line, so I will let her. It sold out fast, so we weren't actually able to buy it, but it is a Elf lip plumper that has a chili like flavor. If anyone who uses lip plumpers, they kind of tingle your lips and that might be an eating experience that you perceive or experience while eating something spicy. So they're taking that experience and adding it intentionally to a makeup product to give you that tingling sensation. And then I think the other interesting one of that set is the further eyeshadow palette. They have a color that is based on guacamole. You could bring in that whole color experience. So like we talked a lot about texture, but color also plays a big thing in what we perceive for flavor, taste, and premiumization or elevation of a product. They all can start in this essential camp, but then we could build on them to make them elevated. I mean, from what they say, beauty is pain. So... As long as we're not using snake venom anymore. Remember that fad when they were putting like snake venom in lip plumpers and stuff like that? No? I think that was before our time. Yeah, I can't say right now. (laughs) We'll cut that out. 
Uh, <laughs> pretty soon, you're going to walk down the red carpet. They're going to be like, who are you wearing? Well, I'm wearing guacamole eyeshadow with my hummus highlighter foundation base. But if we take that back to the whole self-care, like people use avocados to do face masks. So now you could do a avocado colored eyeshadow or you could do a face mask for your spa interpretation. Or you could visit your local Chipotle and eat guacamole because you just love avocados. In the Love Avocado Super Bowl commercial, I do remember that one. So. <laughs> All right. This is the point in the podcast where we're going to wrap everything up in a nice and neat little bow for our listeners. I need a couple of takeaways from you guys, something that you think our listeners should really remember about this podcast. The main thing I would remember from this podcast is you could take relatively what seems like straightforward flavor, right, that you're thinking to put into a product. For example, I said strawberry earlier, and just know that consumers are looking for that next level in that flavor. So how do you twist it? How do you make it different? Do you add, you know, do you say it's a juicy strawberry or a fresh strawberry, or do you pair something exotic with it, a different fruit or a different spice note, whatever it may be, there's ways to elevate it and change it. An elevation doesn't have to be hard. No, it does not have to be hard. There's many different forms of it. It could be the simplest twist, and it makes all the difference and really makes the experience stand out to the consumer. Kaylin, anything for us? I think it's all about the story that you're trying to tell with your marketing team or the customer that you're trying to believe or bring in as your consumer. Being able to take that simple concept of strawberry, like Katie mentioned, and put that subtle spin on it to make it feel a little bit more exciting or adventurous, like putting it in a fruit roll-up and changing the texture, is just a little bit of that differentiator that would allow your customers to engage with you that much more. Great. We're at the end of the podcast. This is where I usually come out with, you know, these fun questions for you guys to answer off the cuff. You know, whatever whatever comes to mind first, feel free to share anything that you'd like. Uh, anything embarrassing is always more fun. When we talk on the podcast, we always talk about our successes. We always talk about how good, you know, this is with that or how good this turned out. We don't always have a success on our hands. So tell me of something that you paired together that you thought was going to be amazing that just turned out to be garbage. I think that's more about usage or like, usage trade or possibly where I'm thinking of the botanicals that we touched on before. So I did something that was chocolate lavender. And so we chose to pair it with a dark chocolate because that seems a little bit more elevated. And we added in a lavender botanical and I put the lavender at too high of a usage. So then it was just soapy and it was not a great eating experience. So even though the dark chocolate and lavender ended up working well together in the end, you had to adjust those usage levels to get a product that was tasting good and not necessarily like eating a bath bomb. Example I could think of was at a restaurant, I ordered a cocktail and of course the menu makes everything sound delicious and very appealing. And it had like a glitter element to it and it came to the table and it was blue and sparkly. And I think I was expecting something kind of fruity, sweet, maybe a little floral. It was very smoky. A lot of a lot of mezcal, very smoky. Don't really want a lot of smoke in my drink. I know some people like it, but it was a little bit jarring maybe because of the appearance versus the taste, but it did not work for me. I love Tom Hanks. If I were to ever have a movie career or a career in acting in general, I would want it to be like Tom Hanks. 
well-respected, enjoyed by all, I mean, pretty much America's sweetheart, let's be honest with each other. But he was on a late-night television show and suggested that you pair Diet Coke with champagne. And I was like, fine, I will try this. Now, like most people, I just have a cellar of champagne in my house. Wink, wink, I don't. I tried it. I'm sorry, Mr. Hanks. I hate to disappoint you. But no, that does not work for me. That does not work for me. I, I don't know what was going on there, but it was not, it was not enjoyable for me. Not to say it wouldn't work with maybe another, a more citrus drink, maybe. I am more of a Mountain Dew guy, so maybe that'll do it. I don't know. <laughs> I would say maybe, Corey, that the essential didn't meet the elevated. We think of champagne as a premium, like, product offering or popping champagne in celebration. Diet Coke is maybe something that you could go and get at your local gas station. So pairing the two extremes together, I could see why it might not work. But maybe he just wanted a little bit more carbonation and elevation to his textural drinking experience. Okay, I have a weird drink one, though, that made me think of it. Have you ever had Fireball and root beer? Yes. Do you like it? I like it. Now, there was my college drink of choice. It was not well-loved by all, but I did enjoy it. It was not too jarring for me. You like it? I was okay with it. Okay. I was okay with it. And keep in mind, I am also the guy that tried uh, swamp water in college, which is a mixture of beer and milk. Uh, no. <laughs> so, so take that under advisement when you're considering my drinks of choice. There's a, there's a song by the Osmonds. And it's, I'm a little bit country, I'm a little bit rock and roll. Great song. When people are doing these, these pairings, you know, what's, what's your little bit country, a little bit rock and roll when it comes to flavor pairings? I, I'm assuming the country be the essential and the uh, rock and roll be the elevated. For you guys, what's that for you? Well, throw, throw a basic flavor out there or an essential, Corey. Okay. okay. Uh, let's start with pineapple. Uh, you could spice it up with a little jalapeno. You could want to keep it in the, like, tropical camp, do a pineapple mango or pineapple guava. So the last one I'm going to throw at you guys, let's say lemonade. Lemonade. I would say Starbucks did do the hibiscus lemonade, so we have the botanicals if you want to take that even further. And I know I saw this a lot on a trip I took to Michigan if we did a lavender lemonade. Yeah, I was going to go berry. I was going to say blackberry. Usually see a strawberry lemonade, so let's go a little bit different, pick a different berry. Sounds great. I'm there for all of it, as usual. I mean, I did try a fruit roll-up today, and, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm expanding my horizons, so thank you both for that. Well, that's it for the Flavor University podcast. I'm Corey Doucette, and I'd like to thank our special guests, Caitlin Cook and Katie Tamboro. Thanks for listening, and until next time, the flavor of McCormick Fauna is the flavor of life, so go out and taste it.